you're going to showboat, knock down the shot. For what his value is, he doesn't equate to winning basketball. When you're talking about the greatest of greats, that's what you have to do. You have to nitpick. We'll see you in the playoffs. We'll see you in the playoffs. Welcome back to the TM Up podcast. I'm joined here, as always, by my co-host, Jarrett Huff, who's from a uh, hotel internet right now, so we'll see how well this goes, but hopefully it'll be enough to get us through this episode, this podcast. So, Jarrett, how you doing, man? I'm pretty good. We're working uh, We're working remote today. I'm out in uh, Iowa, uh, well, basically Omaha, Nebraska, for a wedding for one of my close friends. Nice. Shout out to you, Andrew Alsack. Congrats on your upcoming wedding. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. So that's why I'm in a, a hotel. Definitely should be a fun time, but I'll... T- Go ahead and transition to it wasn't a fun time for Miami just a few days ago is uh, by now pretty much everybody who's a fan of the NBA saw the bench argument that happened looks like it was between Udonis Haslam and Eric Spolster on one side and Jimmy Butler I mean you could heck you could say pretty much the entire Miami Heat roster against Jimmy Butler there is what it kind of seemed like you know, good guy, PJ Tucker picking up the clipboard. If anybody saw that, but Jarrett, after seeing this, seeing this argument, knowing Jimmy Butler's history, you, especially more than, than a lot of people being a bulls fan, what's your level of concern seeing this? Is is this something? Is this nothing? What are we looking at? Um, I have some concern. Uh, Miami seemed like it was the best situation for Jimmy Butler post um, Minnesota and Philadelphia, uh, just because, you the classic heat culture and just some of the guys on the roster you would feel like fit uh Miami's men- or Jimmy Butler's mentality of like hardworking players want to win want to grind and I mean obviously Jimmy Butler seems frustrated uh I don't know why specifically Miami hasn't been playing too well lately it was back-to-back losses um which has kind of been uncommon for them this season uh so there could be frustration bowling over to with that but fighting with your coach who's probably one of the most respected coaches around the league and like wanting to physically confront him that's concerning um I don't know what's going on with Jimmy Butler I hope this is being blown up more just because it's some more of a spectacle to see on an NBA sideline um but just given Jimmy's history you can't necessarily just brush this off as just a player being heated like this was this was pretty big and with butler nothing's ever really small so i just hope for your case and because i'm still a jimmy butler fan uh if chicago would we would gladly take him back tomorrow um but it's 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 concerning to me how do you feel about it i'm gonna be honest with you to me this is nothing there, i i have zero level of concern from this and you could just say jace you're just being a Miami Heat fan, you don't want to see your team fall apart. I love Jimmy Butler. I love the way that he plays. But I have a few reasons why I feel like my level of concern for this has to be zero. One, I'm going back to the quotes he had before that game. He was doing an interview where he said, winning a championship to him, essentially, I'm just paraphrasing, is the, the most important thing in his life. That's the most important thing in his basketball career, what he focuses on, which is what most people, most players should focus on. That's the ultimate goal. You want to win a championship. And he said that in the past, he's kind of just zoned in on that and not really focused on a lot of the other things. And he kind of saw himself doing that. So I see this as a way of him kind of breaking out a little bit where, yes, the focus is still on winning a championship. He was letting some frustrations out. And I think Eric Spolstra is a type of coach. It's okay. Like it's okay to do this against, or I don't, maybe not against, but do this with. 
Eric Spolster was giving it right back to him. Eric Spolster was not just, he no, was get him out of my face, get him in the locker room. No, Eric Spolster was giving it right back to him. And Jimmy Butler went right back on the court right after the timeout. So that's to me, this team, it's okay to do that with to a certain extent. Obviously, you never want to go overboard. You don't want to be that team that's always fighting people getting hurt in practice, nothing like that. But Miami doesn't have fragile egos. They're not a team that has this superstar mentality where, like, we saw a few years ago Draymond Green and Kevin Durant got into a fight, and that ended up being the reason Kevin Durant left the Golden State Warriors. This team, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, P.J. Tucker, Tyler Hero, they're, they're not fragile. Like, they, they've – none of them have shown that they're fragile egos. I would be concerned if this was other teams, but I think Spo is so well-respected I think he knows how to coach his stars. He knows how to get in the mind of them. He knows how to manage it. I mean, this guy managed the Heatles. Like, he knows all about big, big egos. He knows all about these big stars. I think they're probably fine today. I think they're just chilling at practice today, back to back to normal, if, the, if this is the way that I see it. I think, like you said, frustrations boiled over. It was a couple of bad games. And Miami's holding themselves, especially this year, to such a high standard that they haven't been playing up to it over these last few games. And that was frustrating, but I just think the leadership on this team is hard to overturn. And I'd love to see that intensity. And I know it's the heat culture and I know love it or hate it. You're like, is it a real thing? Is it just, you know, branding? Is it marketing? I think it's a certain extent it's a real thing. And I think with Miami, with this group of guys, with Eric Spolstra, this is okay to do. I mean, that's just the way that I see it. Well, it's a story we're definitely going to be probably following uh, for the rest of the season through the playoffs and potentially into the off season if it's anything. Hopefully, I'm hoping for my guy Jimmy, uh, and I guess for you too. I guess whatever, fine. Um, that it's it's just a bunch of smoke. Oh, it will be. It will be. And a lot of people were jumping the gun and saying that, oh, he's not resigning. He's not coming back. Okay, let's calm down. You know, this is Jimmy Butler. He's a very, very. He's not a hothead. I would not say that. He's a very passionate player. And he, he expects yes. his teammates to uphold their end of the bargain. And I think moving forward, Miami's going to benefit from it. I truly do. So speaking of a player who benefited from a, uh, a recent change, Kyrie's coming back. Kyrie's coming back full time. They changed the mandate in New York City. So what does this mean for the Nets that he can now play in Brooklyn? Does it change your opinion? What, what do you feel the ceiling of this team is? Um, well, it's definitely going to help in a playoff series, um, especially for whatever reason, somehow Brooklyn has like the higher seed in the series, which is unlikely at this point, but you never know. Um, Kyrie's now available for all seven games of the playoff series, except if they go up against Toronto somehow, whether it's in through the play-in or if the seeding shakes out to where maybe somehow both teams made it to the second round, which I can't see happening. No. <laughs> but um, <laughs> just hypothetically, Toronto's restrictions are still pretty strict. So, uh, But this is probably a scenario we won't have to worry about anyway. Having a player of Kyrie's caliber available is huge, especially as the Nets look to kind of move up. I mean, maybe they want to stay as the eighth seed and just take out the first seed now, which would be either your heat or it could be Philadelphia or Milwaukee because uh, it's within, I believe, a game now for all three of those te teams. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that this 
doesn't necessarily raise the Nets ceiling. It's just if there's a playoff situation where it's going to be a close series, it definitely helps the Nets a lot. And I, I truly don't think this changes too much for me. I really don't. I think the Brooklyn Nets kind of, they went under the radar media wise because for the majority of the season, we've just focused on how overhyped and how disappointing the Lakers have been. But in my mind, as much as the Lakers have sucked and they still suck, the Nets are just as bad in a sense. They have tremendous talent. And obviously they've gotten a lot of, you know, the headlines with Kyrie, his big scoring outputs. But to me, this roster is just not good. And they suck on defense, dude. Like a couple nights ago, KD gave them 35 points. Kyrie gave them 43 and they lost by 12 to the Grizzlies without John Moran. Like they scored 120 points, but gave up 132 points. Like they're so bad on the defensive end. Kevin Durant's out there playing 40 minutes and credit to him. He's so efficient. He makes it look so easy. Kyrie is one of the most gifted scorers this league has probably ever seen. I just don't think they have the talent around them. They don't have a team. They have no... I mean, like, who on that roster, or if anyone, could you consider a defensive stop? Like, like who's the guy like, oh, you know, we're, we're putting him on the best guy. Who's a wing defender on that team? I don't even know. I, like, I don't know what they have moving forward. And in the playoffs, I get it. Kevin Durant is probably going to score 40 points a night. And Kyrie or Irving might score 35, 40 points a night. But where are those other points coming from? And who's stopping the best guys on the other end? I like them in the play-in tournament. But if they're, it's very possible they could be traveling to Toronto to play for the seventh seed. So they might lose that game just because they might not have Kyrie if everything stays the way that it is right now. So I don't know, man. I just, to be honest, if they both end up in the same position as far as going into the playoffs, I think more teams would be scared to face a healthy Lakers in the playoffs than they would to face the healthy Nets. I'm just saying. See, I, I, I disagree with that. I think um, so. I, I so. understand why you're comparing them to the Lakers, but the big difference has been that Brooklyn stars, uh, despite their limited availability, have been able to elevate and lead their uh, depleted roster much better than the Lakers, Lakers and vice versa. I actually, I like the players on the Lakers better uh, behind LeBron and Anthony Davis than I do the Nets, aside from like LaMarcus Aldridge. Um I think the talent on that Lakers roster is better. It's just for whatever reason, yeah. they can't put it together. Whereas even though Kyrie was gone for half the season, James Harden was just feeling some Houston, like wanting to leave Houston vibes, uh, as just like last season, Kevin Durant was able to power that team to win after win after win. I mean, that team was first in the East before Kevin Durant got hurt. So I, I understand that, but during that I'd much, stretch, I'd, I'd much rather face the Lakers. During that, you mean the Nets? You'd much rather. No, face I'd much rather oh, face okay, the I Lakers. Okay, I got you. Got you. Uh, during that stretch, though, James Harden was playing pretty well. He wasn't giving you thirty points tonight. He was a twenty and ten guy. He was a distributor. Kevin Durant, obviously, he was doing what he does best. But I, I have, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But I'm interested to see. I still think AD's probably played more, but I don't think he's played much more games than Kyrie at this point in the season. Like, you know, like. I don't know how those numbers stack up. AD's been out a long time. Like, he was out for a month and a half, came back for maybe two weeks, and has now been out for a, another month and a half. Like, he's missed such a huge part of, the, part of this season where I think if he comes back, he could have possibly there's, – there's, there's this one little thing in the back of the Lakers, Lakers' heads where if he comes back, 
and he treats the the end of the season. They get into the playoffs. Obviously, I hate if they have a first round matchup against Phoenix. I think they lose that regardless. But if they can possibly have them have Memphis, I think with a healthy AD can kind of treat it like a bubble season where we saw he was dominating in the bubble. He had those three months off. If he can come back healthy, and you could only need a month and a half of health from him instead of an entire season. That could be scary, especially if LeBron's doing what he's been doing. I've given up on Russ. I don't expect much from him, which he's played better recently. But. Yeah, no, I just I don't think AD is going to make that big of a difference to the Lakers' fortunes this season. I've I've always been kind of out on AD as a player. Like, mm-hmm. he's supremely talented. Don't get me wrong, but he's always been overrated. Um, he he's done nothing in the playoffs until he teamed up with LeBron. And if you think about it, it's only been one year. And it's so annoying how this turned into a Laker conversation. Yeah. But that's just what I guess some of the NBA topics seem to turn into. Um, Davis, for one, should not have been on the top 75 all time. And to where even people that voted for that list are coming out and saying, yeah, I have no clue what I'm doing. Seeing like some of, the, that, yeah. some of the names that didn't make the list. And now I feel bad because I figured they would have been voted. Mm-hmm. But Anthony Davis just hasn't really proved that he can be like a star in the playoffs. Um, I, I mean, it's like the same way people look at like oh, that Heat team, like good for them for making the bubble finals, but that Heat team wasn't that good. And in the normal season, they might not have went that far. Sorry, but that's what a lot of people think. I, I, I get, think the same thing a about lot, Anthony yeah. Davis. I, get I think a lot of people think that. But if it's under a normal setting in 2020, normal playoffs atmosphere, I don't see Anthony Davis having as dominant of a run in that 2020 playoffs as he did. And I'm going to stick by that. Anthony Davis is not going to change the Lakers fortunes much. If he comes back, they'll be lucky to make the playoffs because I think they're going to fail in the play in. There's a chance they won't even make the play in. Because oh, yes. Yeah. That's definitely the on the Spurs, table. Yeah. The Spurs aren't far behind. Oh, 100% that's on the table. Um, yeah, I'm not Pel- saying. Yeah. Oh, the course. Pelicans actually might be ahead of them right they now. They are now. So. Yeah, they passed yeah. them uh, so, last night. Yeah. No, yeah. it's – it's we have to move on, but I will say, you know, the Miami, everybody talks about it was a flute. They did beat, you know, the number three seed on the way there. They beat the number one seed on the way there. They were taking mm-hmm. over the top teams in the East who had just enough of a chance to get the NBA Finals. Guess what? Oh, no, Giannis wasn't ready yet. Couldn't get there. Came back the next year, motivated, and won a championship. So, I don't think it was a fluke as much as a lot. I'm not. I'm not hating on your heat. I'm just no. I know. To my I just got to throw that in there. But <laughs> we got to move on, man. So what? I thought it would be an interesting kind of topic as we're sort of approaching playoff seedings are starting to get figured out. I think there's only like ten games or something for most teams remaining in the season. So, I thought we'd go through and just kind of in in your opinion. You know, I told you to list down three players or coaches that you feel have the most to prove this coming postseason. So let's just go one for one on this one. So go ahead and give me your first player or coach you feel like has the most pressure on them for this season, this postseason. Well, I think the the biggest person in the NBA that has the most to prove this postseason has to be Doc Rivers. Okay. I mean, the how they fell apart to the Hawks last season is beyond me. Ben Simmons making questionable plays offensively, being too scared of the moment. But even if Ben Simmons is failing, like you have to make adjustments. You have to be able to outcoach uh, a team that's relying on the, a sole engine, a Trey Young to propel them. Um, Doc Rivers has melted down spectac- in spectacular fashion 
so many times. I mean, he is the NBA record holder for blown 3-1 leads in playoff series. That dates back all the way to when yeah. he was the Magic head coach. It's the wrong. reason why he's not in Los Angeles anymore. And in Philly, he's really out of excuses because right now he has arguably the best center in the NBA who is arguably the MVP. You have James Harden, a supposedly motivated James Harden, because mm-hmm. apparently he's wanted to be in Philly all along, even though we had all those uh, quotes of, oh, yes, I, I've been trying to get to Brooklyn out of, but whatever. He has Harden and he has Joel Embiid. That should be enough to get you out of the East, no question, especially mm-hmm. with a, a decent crop of guys behind him. I mean, they got tons of role players. Tobias Harris, when he wants to be good, is good. Um, it's 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 a deep team um, mm-hmm. for through like the first ten guys, and he has no excuse. He there has to be results, or uh, we could see Doc on his way to another city. Dude, I am so glad you went with Doc Rivers because we have not talked about it at one point on this podcast yet. But I'm part of that hype train where everybody talks about Doc Rivers is cemented himself as one of the best coaches, at least present, maybe not in the history, but I think he got top 15 honors. The way I look at it, like, is, are we sure? Like why? Like, what has he done? I mean, he's got that championship in Boston and he has ridden that thing, man. He has ridden (laughs) that championship all the way. He's catching a lot of residuals. He's 2022. And we are still talking about that Celtics championship. The last one they're able to get man. I was just really happy to hear you say what happens when you win in a big city that's been in a drought. That's very true. Um, But I have to say, though, he did turn that Clippers thing around. He did. He just couldn't get over the hump. He 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 had some great Clippers team, though. Speaking of former Clippers, my first most pressurized player, I'm going with Chris Paul. Really? I'm going with Chris Paul for a few reasons. Everybody wants to see, pretty much everybody, would love to see Chris Paul get a ring. I don't think you're going to get – unless, you know, they're beating your favorite team, unless, you know, depending on who they're going up against. Everybody loves Chris Paul. I mean, this guy, he's been such a steward of the game. He's been a tremendous guy. Everybody loves the State Farm commercials. He's part of – he's one of those faces of the league. Such a nice dude. He was – I think he was president of the Players Association for uh, mm-hmm. quite some time. I would love to see him get a chip. And let's be honest, he's running out of time. This – could possibly be the best team he's ever had around him. And I'm even taking into consideration those Clippers teams that were really good with young Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan is at the top of his game. I think it's the best chance that Chris Paul is going to have to win a championship in the history of his career. I think he's running out of time. And I think he's with a squad right now. I think because they lost in the, in the finals last year, man, it's a lot of young guys that want to get back there and they, they, they they realize that you don't get to the finals every year. Like it's not a given that you're going to get there. They get they got there last year and they got beat and they were up on Milwaukee. I think they were up 2-0 before they dropped the entire series. Yeah. So they know what it takes now to win a championship and they just have to go out there and do it. And to be honest, I think Chris, them playing without Chris Paul for the since the All-Star break, I know he just came back last night, looked really good. I think 18 points, 14 assists, just what he does. I think this is his best chance to win a championship. I think the pressure is on because he's up there. At th- he's basically the same age as LeBron, who doesn't have that playoff resume underneath him. So I think the pressure is on Chris Paul this year to get that championship. Yeah. I, I would disagree so much that, like, I don't think there's outside pressure on him. I just think if there's any pressure on him, it's all internalized. Yeah. Um, 
because basically the way I see it, his legacy, it's it's pretty it's pretty Loctite. Oh, it um, is. He's the, missing the, one thing. Yeah, the ring. He, of course, he is will the only tell thing. you. Yes. He will tell you. I'm missing one thing. Yeah, I want a ring, and, and yeah. I think this is his best chance to get it. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but um, the way I just interpreted the question, I wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily put Paul on that list just because he made the finals last year and he's oh, on yeah. the best team right now. So um, I, I'm not stressing too much about. No, you're CP3. good. I just go with how many years do we have left? How but, many years does he have left? Yeah. But once the Bulls playoff run is done, I am full going like go team Chris Paul. Oh, I'd love go. to see it. Just like I was last I'd love year. Love to see it. Yeah. Sorry, I'd love to Milwaukee. See it. <laughs> <laughs> Who you got as your uh, your second player or right. coach? Uh, my second uh, player, well, my second person is James Harden. Okay. It's like, all right, you're out of Houston, and now you're on Brooklyn with. Are with, in my opinion, the best player in the NBA right now, Kevin Durant, and another pretty good player in Kyrie Irving. All right, we get it. Kyrie Irving's a bit of a diva. We get that his whole vaccine stance makes no sense, especially with its detriment to the team. Um, that just defies all logic and is honestly selfish um, for a number of reasons. Uh, so you're unhappy. You force your way out of Brooklyn even though that was probably your best chance to win a championship. And you landed Philly with one of the front runners for MVP and a great coach uh, riding the waves of the 2008 Celtics championship. Still riding. <laughs> um, you have no excuses. You have a coach with the experience to get used to the finals, despite what some people may say. You have a player that can take over in games when maybe you're, you're just having an off night and you're playing in a system that allows you to have the ball in your hand. You have the perfect pick and roll partner. Some people are already comparing you to Kobe and Shaq, which I think is ridiculous, but you guys could be on that level of some of the better guard center combos that we've ever seen in the league. If there's a time for you to win an NBA, an NBA championship, James Harden, it's this season. There's no excuses. We're not going to accept any excuse if you flame out or if you put up a poor performance in, like, this team should be making the conference finals. It should be Milwaukee and Philadelphia. If those are my picks. Um, or if not Milwaukee, Brooklyn and Philadelphia. Philadelphia should be the lock in my eyes for the Eastern Conference Finals. Joel Embiid's just playing way too well. Yeah. And I would have said Philly was a lot before Harden. Yeah, he's played great. But now with James Harden, no excuses. James Harden has to get it done this year. He has to show us something we haven't seen him do before. A lot of pressure on him. I respect that. I think it's a good pick. And for my second one, I'm going to go with uh, James Harden's former running mate. I think there's a lot of pressure on Kyrie Irving. And the reason I feel there's a lot of pressure on Kyrie because that excuse is gone. The vaccine thing was kind of a built-in excuse in my mind that it's now gone. He got it lifted. He got his way. He's going to be able to be unvaccinated. He's going to be able to play in everywhere besides Toronto. I think the narrative, I, I think there's a lot of people that are Kyrie supporters, and I wouldn't consider myself a Kyrie hater in any sense. I just think the decision he made was not a good one. I think it was a detriment to his team. But I think years from now, if he doesn't go out there and perform, and he, this team doesn't actually do a lot, make an Eastern Conference Finals, make an NBA Finals, I think 
two to three, four, five years from now, we're going to look back on this season and we're going to, we're going to go, man, if Kyrie would have got vaccinated, man, that team, that the talent on that team, they should have gone so far. If, if Kyrie would have done this, if Kyrie would have done that, that's the way that I think this could possibly turn if he doesn't hold up his end of the deal. And Kevin Durant has held up his end of the deal. When he's been on the court, he's been amazing. Absolutely fantastic. And people think because I'm such a LeBron guy that I, I, I'm not a big KD fan. I didn't like the move that he made way back to go to the Warriors, but I'm way past that. I'm not holding on to grudges. Dude is a tremendous player. I think for Kyrie, his stop in Boston, the whole, if you'll have me back, I'll resign here, jumping ship, going with his, his friend, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant being hurt their first year there. Now that we're, we're going on year three of this kind of Nets situation. He's had a, such of a lack of success since he left LeBron playoff wise. We got to see something Kyrie. Like I get it. I, I think your excuses are gone now. I think you have to go out there. You have to perform. You're going to be able to be there for an entire game, seven game series. There's no excuses. You are well rested in a sense. You've been able to continue to run with your team, you know, playing twice a week, three times a week, whatever. Go and just win games, Kyrie. That's what I want to see. I don't want to hear any more vaccine talk from him. I don't want to hear any more, well, if this, that, or the other, just go win. The excuses are gone. Your team's going to be in the playoffs regardless of where you're seeding. You're probably going to be considered a favorite by a lot of people, even if you come in as a seventh seed. So, I think, Kyrie, your excuses are gone. Just go perform. Go win. That's the way that I see it. All right. I want to throw out a quick honorable mention right now to go Rudy Gobert and okay. Donovan Mitchell uh, just because uh, they're kind of in, like, middle of the ground of, like, the playoff contenders in the West mm -hmm. um, in terms of this has been basically the same unit for years and years and years, and they're really not – improving and they're not doing stuff to put them over like the rising teams like phoenix or put them ahead of mainstays like golden state and stuff like that so they need to figure it out especially with these two reportedly feuding my third person is ben simmons now this may amount to nothing because he could be out for the rest of the season with whatever back issue he's dealing with uh because he still has yet to take the court although i heard reports that he is uh, practicing with the team, I believe, in Miami. He's at practice. Um, but, okay, the likelihood of Philadelphia and Brooklyn meeting the playoffs this year, pretty damn high. It could be a first-round matchup. Ben Simmons is going to have to play in, playoff, in the playoffs in Philly at some point. And basically, his career got derailed because of the playoffs. He's going to have to get back up on the horse. He's an NBA player. This Your new team, Brooklyn, has invested a lot in you to bring you here, to put their faith in you, to help bolster their weaker roster that's been missing, well, missing a player like you all season. Ben Simmons has the potential to be one of the best talents of his generation. I mean, he came into the NBA with... LeBron comparisons. Now, clearly, I don't think he's ever going to reach that potential, but he has potential to continue to be an all NBA talent. Um, and with all this time off away from basketball, we need to see improvements made in his game, whether it's his skills on the court, like his shooting or his shots from the free throw line, which, hey, after my workout, I set the free throw line for like an hour and I shoot free throws. So there's no excuse why this man can't be getting better at it when he's been sitting all month waiting to get out of Philadelphia or not all month, all year. All year. 
um he has to put it together because he could be a potentially a, a dangerous two-way player i'm not saying he's going to be an elite three-point shooter but if he finds a jump shot he's going to be one of the more difficult players to play against and so much more valuable to his franchise yeah I agree with everything you said. I just think he's done. I don't think he's playing this season the way that I see it. I don't, I don't foresee him coming back. So I, but everything you said, if he, if he comes back, I agree with 100%. I just don't see it happening, but for my final player, I'm going to go Luka Doncic. And it's maybe not for the reason that you might, you might think Luka Doncic, his per game playoff numbers are absolutely insane. Like, he has historic playoff numbers so far, and he's only been able to play the Clippers. And that means all these numbers he's put up have been with two of the best wing defenders in the NBA guarding him the entire time in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Because he, has, he hasn't made the second round yet because he keeps matching up against those Clippers in the first round and he just keeps pushing them to game seven, can't get over the hump. And I, I understand that. I think, and I made a TikTok about this and I got a little pushback. I think Luka Doncic with his numbers, his early playoff numbers, what he's doing, the 28, eight and eight seasons, he's put himself on a possible goat path. I agree. This early on in his career. He has a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. I am not jumping the gun. But to be a GOAT, you have to set yourself on a path early enough because you have to have the time to, one, you know, play, get all these, these get your numbers, get your accolades, things like that. And obviously, the earlier you start with this success, it's going to be the better. He came in the league really young, just like LeBron did. I think he's put himself on a path where years from now, we might not be debating Jordan and LeBron. We might be debating Jordan, LeBron, Doncic. Like, it can become a whole party of things. We're talking about who's the best to ever do it. So, I think Luka Doncic has that potential. I would love to see him get to just get to the second round this year. Do what you've been doing. Get past that first round at least. Put up a fight in the second round. Maybe go six. Maybe go second game or seven games. I know the West isn't the best. I know your second best player is being Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't think he's going to be making these, these buzzer beaters in the playoffs. But I think Luka Doncic has put himself on that path that I I think pressures on him to start pushing just a little bit more because I think he has that potential to grow to such a height on this the ladder of the NBA greats. I believe in him that much. I, I really like the angle you took with this Luka comparison, and I love that you brought up his like his path for greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've always thought the same thing with Luca too. Like I've, I have a small short list of players with like goat debate potential. Yeah. Like obviously they're not there yet, but they're on a tra- trajectory where like they could reach that conversation one day. Mm-hmm. Like Giannis is one of them he is? Um, yeah. at one point and it was super early on, but I'm like, Zion could be in this conversation, but I mean, he's obviously taken a step back, but it's not too late for Zion yet. I mean, very young career. He's got a lot of time now. But for me, Luca's the front runner in this conversation. If you look at his career, and I'm not comparing play style or anything like this, mm-hmm. so Chicago fans, please calm down. But Luca's early career mirrors Michael Jordan's so closely. It's not even funny. Look yep. at his rosters. Mm-hmm. He's dragging these teams that really there's nothing built around him into mm-hmm. the playoffs. Sure, they're first round exits. Jordan was taking first round L's left and right. Mm-hmm. But he was going up against 
like the Larry, like the Hall of Fame Celtics, arguably at the mm-hmm. time until Jordan's 96 Bulls overtook the title, basically the greatest team of all time. And Luca's going up against like all time players like Kawhi Leonard yep. with Paul George by his side. Like that's that's a tough team. That's a that should be a Hall of Fame team. I was thinking those Clipper teams were like title favorites all those years. Yeah. And he at the time, I mean, obviously it's shifted now, but the West is kind of at the time mirrored what the East was in the eighties when Jordan was coming up. And, but despite his competition, despite uh, his team, he's still putting up like crazy stats, like what Michael Jordan did in the eighties against the Celtics and stuff like that. So I, I just like how you brought that up. Cause like yeah. to me, Luca's career right now, it's set. It's like, it's he's mirrored Jordan. It's oh. mirroring. It's crazy. I agree. I agree. Uh, let's move forward into our next topic here, and we'll move through this one pretty quickly just here in the interest of time. So the race of the, for the scoring title is basically as tight, as tight as it's ever been. So obviously LeBron, Embiid, Giannis are all up there right around 30 points per game. So just in your mind, Jared, who's taking home that scoring title this year? It's going to be LeBron. He has <laughs> nothing. This, I mean, it's a lost season. And he's like, you know what? If this isn't going to work out, I'm just going to get mine. And I'm just going to score as much as I can and then be like, yeah, here's another feather in my cap for why I'm the greatest player of all time. Um, because I want a scoring title at 37. Congrats oh, to you, LeBron. Wow. Have fun in that 10th seed. <sighs> You're lucky. So much, so much resentment. <laughs> it, it is going to be LeBron and it's going to be LeBron because of the three teams that these guys are on, none, none of those teams are more dependent on one man scoring and the Lakers are on LeBron. I mean, Giannis is great. I love Giannis. They don't need him to score 30 points a night most nights mm-hmm. to win. Same thing with Joel Embiid now. I mean, it obviously helps. But I think in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean much. Like you're saying, where LeBron guys are going to try to make it a narrative. Oh, at age 37. Oh, I wasn't saying LeBron guys. I was saying LeBron himself. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't mean that much. It's a nice little thing to have. In the way that I see it, when LeBron sees something in the league that he has never done before, and he's got a chance to do it, he's going to push for it. So he's never led the league in scoring. He's got a chance to do it. So I think, I think he, he has goes. one scoring title, I thought. I don't. Th- I didn't think so. Let me look this up. I didn't Go think on. so. Go on, I'm sorry. No, you're good. We'll just move on here. Um, so with Chris Paul, he returned last night, and it looks like from the research that I did, the Suns had an 11-4 and record without him post-All-Star break. So – just real quickly here, Jared, are you convinced that the Suns are the team to beat in the NBA? Oh, without a doubt. I was really interested to see how they'd fare without Chris Paul for whatever stretch of games it would be. Turns out Suns are still pretty freaking good. Oh, yeah. Not only does it give me hope that they can face whatever adversity comes up against them in the playoffs, but beyond this season, when eventually Chris Paul does leave, if they can keep this core of young guys together, this team should be able to compete for probably this entire decade. Yeah, they look fantastic. I'm absolutely convinced that the Suns are the team to be right now. And just like you said, they've shown it. They've really reassured it since that Paul injury. What concerned me when he went out was how they would fare late game because Chris Paul is Mm -hmm. such a great closer. But Devin Booker has all of a sudden slowly put his name in the MVP conversation here at the end of the season. He's been playing out of his mind. He's answered that bell and then some. Also, DeAndre Aiden's been playing like a dominant big man, along with how about the up-to-guard play of Cam Johnson? And I know you're not a big Payne fan, but he's been playing well as well over there. So 
This this team is deep as hell. They're playoff tested. They're hungry. No doubt they should be viewed as the absolute favorites right now to win the NBA championship. And I think a lot of people are going to be supportive of that. And Devin Booker's also shown us he can kind of fill in for that playmaker role that Chris Paul has avoided in his absence. Yeah, point guard Devin Booker. Like, he started off as a shooting guard, and obviously he plays the two when Chris Paul is there because, I mean, you got the point guard. You don't need to be a point guard. So when he's out, Devin Booker's a facilitator, man. He's doing everything out there on the floor. So it's been really nice to see Booker's taking that next step that a lot of people are just waiting for him to do because, I mean, he was back there scoring. What did he score, 61 a few seasons ago or something like that? I think he has the highest scoring output since Kobe's 81. So he's can definitely put, put the ball in the hoop, man. So oh, I wanted to add ahead. real quick, um, LeBron James won the scoring title in Doc Rivers' favorite season. So Oh, he did? Okay. Yeah. Definitely. There we go. So <laughs> it shouldn't be too for hard two. for the folks at home to figure out what year that is. <laughs> so he's going for two. Then. All right. We got to move on to our last segment here on the TM Up podcast. And that is obviously TM Up. So, Jared, who's getting your technical foul this week? The whole damn Bulls team. Oh, I mean, okay. Let's come hear. on. First off, yeah, we get it. DeMar DeRozan wasn't in. But Zach Levine, okay, you know, the whole damn Bulls team besides Zach Levine. Zach Levine, okay. you're exempt from this fury. Kobe White, I guess, too, because you're putting it all out on the floor. Everyone else, though, what is going on? I mean, it's the Pelicans. We need to win every damn game we can. The Raptors and Cavs are only a game behind us. And you guys are giving up games against the Pelicans without Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson? Like, are you kidding me? Jose Alvardo, I think that's his name. Yeah. Put, you, put us away. Put us. It was a 16-point loss or whatever it was. We got put away by a guy that wasn't even on an NBA roster at the start of the season. The dude's like 5'9". Can he shoot? Yeah, I can shoot. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Teen up a, the bowls. Yeah? Teen up the bowls. Oh, man. Absolutely. It's, it has been a collapse. I mean, the Bulls are definitely limping into the, the playoffs. And it sucks to see because I was, I was excited to see what they were going to do. And you were very adamant on the last podcast. I put it out there in a TikTok as oh, well. You want I, the Celtics round one. so we're, I do. I still do. I, I hope you know, we get that matchup. I hope we do. But so. The Celtics pulled some Space Jam voodoo shit on the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> they took their talent, or I don't know what's going on right now. So we need a series against them and steal that back. We'll see, man. Ah, But I still want the Celtics. Well, we'll see. We'll see if we get that. I would love to see that matchup as well. But I got I to gotta tee up a small minority of NBA fans who just take t- things way too far. You know, I'm all for cheering against rival teams and trying to get under the other, other players' skins and doing what you can in the stands to try to, you know, will your team to victory. But there's a line. And you do not cross it. And it was crossed this week with uh, Yusuf Nurkic and what he had to go through where the the headline came out that Nurkic approached the fan and threw his phone and he was fined $40,000 because of it. And while all that's true, I feel like the underreported thing was what was being said to Yusuf Nurkic. Like he was being, he was subject to these, these, they weren't even chance. They were just one fan that was yelling about his mom and his grandmother who his grandmother, I think I learned, unfortunately passed away from COVID not too long ago and was digging in these really personal things for Yusuf Nurkic. I think, you know, these players are human. They have families, they have kids, they have friends outside the game. And this week, like, it was entirely way too far. Nurkic, in my mind, was 
way within his rights to grab the phone and throw it. And that fan probably deserved a lot more than that, than just a thrown phone. We have to do better as NBA fans. There's a line that you do not cross. You have to keep everything on the court. I get it. Cheer for your team. Boo. You know, chant airball. Do the things that fans are allowed to do. But when you get personal, it just it's not a good look for anybody. And we have to do better as NBA fans because these, at the end of the day, they're players. They're out there. They're playing a game for your entertainment, and it's not fair, and it's not right for you to subject them to that type of treatment. So do better, NBA fans. And I know it's a very small segment of them, but just do better. Do better. And what's more outrageous, it's like, okay, it's like obviously any trash talk he was going to do, whether Nurkic was playing or not, is outrageous. But Nurkic is in street clothes. He's yeah. not even playing. There's He's no not even on the go- court. Why are you going at the man then? Like, what the? Exactly. It makes no sense. Also, another lesson, like uh, there was a thread. Somebody found the guy's LinkedIn page. Mm-hmm. And if what's getting reported out, like some of that stuff, you might be able to get fired from your job for it because I'm sure people have reached out to his place of employment. Yeah. And it's a young guy too. He's with the way the well, internet like works, too. like you put yourself out in that position to, you know, this, this might happen to you. So, and it's unnecessary. Like you said, he was in street clothes. He wasn't doing anything to affect the game. He was sitting on the bench cheering on his team, which let's be honest, he's on the Portland Trailblazers. They don't have much going for him. What you did was completely Indiana out of doesn't line. Either. <laughs> well, let's be honest, but this was completely out of line. We have got yeah. to do better as NBA fans, but it's despicable. It was truly despicable, but Thank you guys all for joining us here on the TM Up podcast. Thank you guys all for listening and getting this far through our rambling. So be sure to follow us along on all the social media platforms for fun NBA content throughout the week. Thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Make sure to share us with your family and friends. 